0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media.
1: Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and It's I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptops. You can listen to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow men and musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope that you guys have had a great week. I have had a great week. I've been back at work. In case you've missed it, I take care of little children in early childhood education. This has been my first week back at work. In the world that is COVID-19, it has been different. It has been interesting. It has been something that I'm getting used to. And uh, the more that I keep going with that, the more that I realize that uh, dropping three episodes a week will be difficult. So I'm announcing it right now. I love doing three episodes a week. It's something that I would like to continue doing. But as of next week, I am going to be transitioning back to a two episode a week format. And that is going to be on Tuesdays and Fridays. I feel like that will fit the new reality, which is me back at work during COVID. So I hope you guys forgive me and understand that. I have a bunch of episodes, a bunch of interviews already done that I can't wait to get out to you. But uh, for me to make it happen and get it out there, it's going to be two episodes a week. Last night was crazy. Another Vox and Hops Thursday, Thursday virtual hang. I love these things. I hope you were there. If you weren't there, you should join us next week. And I have put the link in the description of this podcast. You should come. You should hang out. It's always a blast. On today's episode, I'm with John Matos of Abiotic. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 152. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with John Matos from Abiotic. It is great to be with you. Uh, it is always fun to hook up with a fellow victim of the podcast and uh, a metal musician uh, at that. So it's it's great to connect with people that uh, truly understand our first world problems of being a podcaster at our level. So uh, how are you? How have you been dealing with uh, COVID-19? Before we started recording, you mentioned that you like to just pile on as much work as possible to cope with your stress. So let's just touch on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Matt, thank you so much for having me. And that's, that's really how I, I deal with stress. So during all of this crazy coronavirus stuff, I... I'm technically an essential worker, so I'm the general manager of a medical marijuana dispensary in Massachusetts. It's kind of what I what I do when I'm not doing the music stuff. So I'm still, you know, we're still open. I'm still putting in my my 40 hours a week and just like you said, I started up a podcast, so the Big Shred podcast, which originally started as just a live stream from the abiotic page and doing what you're doing basically, which is interviewing some folks in in our industry in our you know in our realm of underground metal if you will and it kind of started doing a little bit well for the first few streams and i was like you know what i i'm not busy enough i've got to do something else which again that that's to a fault where i'll do that to myself my wife will tell me all the time like what are you doing this week like why are you doing this to yourself so uh started that up and in probably the finishing stages of writing the new Abiotic album. We should be tracking, luckily because our drummer lives in Massachusetts where I live, we'll be tracking with him so our tracking schedule shouldn't be affected by the virus or anything so we should be tracking next month actually.
1: Cool. That's amazing. You are a busy man. With with everything, I, I completely understand that there's just not enough hours in a day anymore.
0: There's not. There's really not. and Even busier than usual and also at work trying to keep my staff safe trying to keep our patients safe so we're going through all kinds of things to ensure that people are practicing the social distancing that we're not having too many people in the dispensary at one time so i've got to think about all those logistics during all this shit as well
1: (laughs) it's it's a fucked up time and it's going to be a fucked up time for quite a few more months sadly uh, how how is the, uh, Do you see more people coming into the medical marijuana place than before because everyone's at home?
0: I would say so. Yeah, we've been busier than we have been. So we've been open. We'll be open for a year next month. And we've been busier than ever. We've changed up our protocols to, like I mentioned before, to get people in and out as quickly as possible. So the world we live in, there's online orders to buy your pot. So we're we're doing online ordering and kind of just getting folks in and out. But yeah, we've been busier than ever, I think. Right now, obviously, people are at home more. If you're a beer drinker, you're probably drinking a bit more beer than you typically would. People who consume marijuana are doing it a little more than they typically would, and also it, it does help with anxiety, stress, or has been known to help with anxiety, stress, and, and depression and things like that. So I think p- people are needing their weed more than ever
1: right now. Uh, speaking of tasting more beers than usual Uh, vox and hops is all about hanging out with the metal peeps talking about their lives music and craft beer Uh, what what craft beer do you have on your side there and then i'll tell you about mine
0: i've got a ufo white so i'm not i guess as maybe my palate isn't as developed as some other guys that enjoy the ipas and all the kind of crazy ones so If I'm drinking a beer, I'm usually drinking some kind of white or uh, Hefeweizen or something like that. So this one, your typical just brewed with orange peel and coriander, and they are actually out of Boston, Boston, Massachusetts, so representing some local
1: homies. Yes, I've been saying it on every podcast recently that it's very important to support the businesses that you love locally. Uh, everybody is struggling right now, so if you want things to be around after the COVID goes away and everything's back to normal, then you better support the things you love, such as the artists, the local businesses, and craft beer breweries. This is uh, Echo Session Ale's Hazy Session IPA. It clocks in at a 3.9%. It is an uh, absolutely amazing. Huge shout out to J.F. lejean their head brewer, one of their head brewers, for coming and hooking me up with a bunch of craft brews from Echo Session Ale so that I can share them with my guests sort of share them with my guests
0: <laughs> yeah yeah hopefully we'll get to share one together at some point yeah absolutely
1: absolutely absolutely as soon as we're together again we're gonna do this again cheers Thanks, bud job. good it's um a little bit dank uh tropical and uh, no, not not quite creamy but good uh excellent mouthfeel uh echo session ales really makes the best session beers here in montreal and quebec i am all about them i normally don't like session beers because i find that it's missing like something obviously, obviously the alcohol but the alcohol <laughs> content—I was going to say—but JF <laughs> seems to find a way around that with all of the products that he's put out. So, cheers Very to a nice. good. Yeah, that,
0: that's a proper. That's a proper two p.m. East Coast time beer.
1: <laughs> that's that's what I try to do at least. <laughs> Being a father, uh, are are you a craft beer enthusiast?
0: I'd say so. I, I'd, I you know I I, I didn't grow up grow obviously grow up but uh <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't uh, didn't grow up drinking a lot of beer um i started doing a little bit more drinking probably in the last few years and kind of trying to find the the ones that i enjoy and and now i think i've kind of developed the 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 palate for it and can pretty much drink everything but i enjoy you know things on the lighter side or um i guess more of the the wheat beers and things like that.
1: Do you remember your first beer?
0: I certainly remember my first beer. It was a Corona because I'm from Miami, Florida. Really? Okay. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was probably around the time, maybe a little bit before Abiotic got started. So we, we've we been a band now for about 11 years. I, I started drinking pretty late. I did have some alcoholism in my family so i kind of tried to steer clear for a little while and was like you know maybe maybe that's me too so maybe i should just try and like stay away i don't know if i'd be able to control myself obviously very young and naive so but did get together with the original drummer of abiotic and we're hanging out at his place and he was drinking a corona and i was just like yeah you know what let me let me try one of those and i was such a little bitch dude i couldn't even finish it I was like, oh, whatever. Now I can drink a Corona like in three gulps. So
1: (laughs) I agree. Especially on a hot day with a lime. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Being in Miami, I'm sure that it was quite warm as usual.
0: Every single day, all the
1: time. Um, (laughs) You you mentioned you're from Miami. First thing that came to my mind was Churchill's. Oh, yeah, that's where I grew up. (laughs) What what is your number one Churchill's story? If anyone's wanting to, Churchill's is a, a, it's like a CBGB's atmosphere in little haiti oh little yeah haiti miami in
0: little haiti oh yeah i've got so many of them man so we w- off the top of my head there was a time i i now i can't recall if we were playing the show or if i was just attending a show there but there were some homeless we'll 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 get real nice with it and uh, crack addicted individuals if you will Getting into a fight, one of them in a wheelchair, (laughs) and it ended up where like a Molotov cocktail was like thrown into the street. It was pretty, it, it gets pretty intense at Churchill's. Granted, they have cleaned the area up a bit. So in the last few years, they have done some remodeling. It looks a lot nicer than it did when I was 15, 16 and growing up and playing shows over there but there's always a guy with about seven teeth who is telling you where to park and telling you he's going to watch your car. And then you get back and you hear somebody's car was broken into and they had all kinds of shit stolen. But I had some of my favorite experiences there too, just hanging out with, with all of my friends, seeing some pretty big bands in a really small, really like for lack of a better shot fucking venue, dude, (laughs) this venue is not good, but people love to play there. It's it's a, it's a staple and it's you, you knowing about Churchill's just kind of confirms that, that it's, it's, it's a, it's a well-known shit venue. And if you've ever been to a bathroom at Churchill's, you probably are immune to I don't want to say corona, but there's lots of shit that you're immune to if you've ever used the
1: bathroom there. I remember not wanting to, <laughs> and and went to eat at a restaurant down the street and forced it out before the show as, as we try to do. <laughs> oh yeah! Uh, shout out to Casey McGregor, who was our tour manager on that tour. <laughs> I, I go for walks all the time when I'm on tour. I just leave the venue and just walk. And he's like, you don't go anywhere today. You stay at the venue. You don't go anywhere. So shout out to Casey for yep. keeping me safe. At church yeah. Good,
0: good looking out, Casey. <laughs> uh, another
1: memory of that night was some fan just puking on stage in front of Ollie, my bassist. <laughs> Oh, it was, it was it was a fun night, uh, but everything that you've said is is, is absolutely rings true. <laughs> 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 what about your first time on stage? Do you remember that first show?
0: It was at Churchill's. No man. way. It was at Churchill's with my first yeah with my first local band. I was probably fifteen or sixteen. Uh, the band was called Far Into Existence, which we just pulled from a, a Death lyric. We're huge fans of Death, um, and. Yeah, I've got I've got vague memories of it. I've since smoked lots and lots of weed, so it's a little hazy. But it was it was a good time, and and I remember just playing that first show and and
1: chasing that feeling ever since. You know, that's why we do it, eh? Yep, that's why we do it. It's not for the money, that's for sure. No,
0: (laughs) no, my wife can attest to that
1: too. (laughs) What would be, uh, you're growing up in your, your parents' house or your guardian's house as a young child, uh, you were not in control of the music. What would have been the soundtrack to your youth? What music was playing as you were growing up?
0: So before I started playing guitar and, and got into metal and things like that, my, my parents fairly young when they had me. So my parents were both 20 years old when, when they had me. So they very much grew up in the 80s and 90s in, in Miami. So a lot of the dance, hip-hop, 80s kind of culture. So I grew up with a lot of hip-hop and, and rap and, and that kind of stuff, listening to that stuff on my way to school in the morning and and, and all, all that stuff. So my, my dad was a huge, like, Tupac, Biggie Smalls, Eminem fan. So I was probably... 10 or 11 listening to, to Eminem records and shit like that. And then when I got into middle school, I met a buddy who was into more rock and like punk rock and classic rock and things like that. So I eventually just kind of drifted into that crowd and got into, got into all the classic rock bands. I ended up falling in love with classic rock. So I was right around when I started playing guitar was like Led Zeppelin and Van Halen and. Def Leopard and, you know, all those, all those Queen, all those sick bands, Jimi Hendrix. That's when I started kind of really getting, getting learned. And, um, at the same time as well, like new metal was kind of popping up too. So I started listening to bands like System of a Down and, um, Mudvayne. And a little bit a little bit of slip here and there. I got into like Metallica and Megadeth and then all that stuff. And then then I met some some other guys in middle school who were uh twin brother musicians. One played guitar, one played bass, and they opened up my world to like Prague. So I started listening to Symphony X and Dream Theater and Ingve Malmstein and all the solo guitar players, so like Steve Vai and um Greg Howe and, and all those guys. So very early on, I kind of developed after listening to the, the classic rock. So I ended up kind of being a young dad and then getting into the progressive and all that shit. I just turned into like a fucking snotbag elitist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if there's not five minute guitar solos, I don't want to listen to it. And then I started and, and even with even with the harsh vocals, that kind of took a while to the growls and the screams that took a while to grow on me after listening to, you know, again, the dream theaters and the symphony X's and all the, the power metal dudes. And, and then I, I started listening to, to death and cynic, which again, you know, Florida, Florida bands. And that kind of changed my, my whole world in regards to, to heavier and, and and more aggressive music and then Opeth came around and, and bands, are, you know, were really doing it differently. So
1: that's a little
0: long winded. N- there, no, it's, it's a beautiful, <laughs>
1: beautiful journey. I love it. I love it. I had a, my father was so into Metallica that, that <laughs> and then I became a new metal child. So anything yeah. with a guitar solo was dad music for me. So I thought it wasn't cool uh-huh. uh, until I finally got train of thought from dream theater there you and go. Then that something clicked, and I understood guitar solos again. Yeah, but huge new metal child over here. Took me uh, many years in the new metal game.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mudvayne changed the game for me. I was like, this band is so sick. They they were doing the new metal thing, but it wasn't the same as everyone else. They obviously had that insane bass player, Ryan Marr. Uh, Mart I don't, I don't want to say his last name is Martini, but that's what is coming to mind. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, those guys. But then at the same time, I, I, and the people, the musicians that I had around me were just all about technical proficiency And and this song is fucking boring. It doesn't have a solo and, and there's only three riffs in it. Why are there only three riffs in it? And I was like, yeah, I guess shit. Well, I, I need to keep up with you guys with my guitar playing. So I need to start listening to all this shit.
1: And that pushed your playing too.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was great always trying to keep up with those two guys. And that has has certainly permeated throughout my adult life too and and the musicians that I try and surround myself with. So, the other guitar player Matt in Abiotic for example, he's another guy I'm always trying to keep up with cuz he's a phenomenal player and we've been writing music together now for about 8 8 to 10 years now and yeah, his, his playing has certainly helped push my playing to the next level. And I think we feed off of each other very well. We're, we're a great duo. I think when it, when it comes to to writing music,
1: that sounds like it's something that guitarists are lucky to have something where they can bounce back and forth and grow together. Whereas like a drummer or a vocalist or a bassist only has other people in other bands to compete against.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. I've never even, I've never even thought about it that way where, we're actually the only guys that have somebody else
1: in the band to, to help grow together, you know? Yeah. yeah. As, as opposed to being inspired by other people. You can, you can like, you can't rip off your own band member. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whereas we all get expired elsewhere, inspired elsewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you can, you can, when, when you're feeding off of each other and inspiring each other, it, it just makes for, better music for your band and it's, it's not necessarily even consciously or subconsciously where you're listening to, listening to another, another artist in maybe any of the other
1: uh, instruments in a band and you can easily pull from that without even knowing. Uh, what would be one of your favorite tours that you've done and you would like to go relive? Because it was either so much fun or so shitty that it's funny now and all the stories <laughs> from that shitty tour are in your arsenal so you must keep it and redo it.
0: So we've had lots of shitty tours that I don't know I would want to relive. Um, <laughs> we, the, I'd say, you know, the, those those tours did put some some hair on our chests. They did. There they were learning lessons throughout all those rough tours. My favorite tour that we did easily was our European tour. It's the only European tour that we we've, we've done. We did it. It was about five years ago now, four or five years ago now, with suffocation and cattle decapitation. So sick, it was our first tour on a bus. It was our first tour in Europe. Never experienced anything like it where I could just put all my stuff in a bunk and it would stay there and never move and I would never lose it and After the show, I could just crawl into bed and go to sleep and sleep for a full eight hours and wake up in a new country, just rested and ready to tackle the day it was It was very different than obviously what we'd been doing for. Four straight years prior, which is just van, you know, van life, toughing it out, sleeping in a bunk. We rarely stayed at a hotel. We, you know, would often stay at at fans' houses. But if not, we were in the van. And if you were driving that night, and we were stopping somewhere to park to get some rest, if it was your drive, you sat in the driver's seat and you slept in the driver's seat. And so it was felt that that was the the one tour where that moment was like wow like this is what it's like to do this shit for real and the shows were incredible the suffo and the the cattle guys are i think you know some of our closer closer friends now terrence from suffocation is my fucking homeboy is my buddy i love that guy and it was, like I said, it was, it was an eye opener. And then also we got to see some of the most beautiful places in the world. I got to go hiking through some castles in Switzerland and see Germany and see Italy and Poland and all the, all of the places that I know I would never be able to see if I wasn't doing what I was doing.
1: Tour tourism. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The best. And, and you don't stop walking.
0: Exactly. Yeah, we, we try it. it.
1: Keep walking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the band the band for the most part unless we're kind of beat up from the day before or someone's not feeling well or whatever it is we we try and do our best to explore as much as we can and and really take in the different sites the different cultures different food different beer different weed whatever you know experience it because we we have had a lot of struggles coming up as a band so Taking it for granted is not something that I would ever ever allow myself to do.
1: What would be some of those biggest struggles? You mentioned the band's been running for 11 years. I can imagine member changes.
0: Member changes. Honestly, a lot of it comes financial struggles from maybe not great decisions that we made early on. So if there's any piece of advice that I can give to a band, which I don't know if I'm qualified to give advice, but any piece of advice I would give to a band is invest in a reliable vehicle that was really a big part of what made what we were doing so difficult. We were all broke and wanted to do this, so we did what we had to do to, you know, to get out there, but we for the first probably 3 years we relied on $2000 vans that were good for maybe 2 tours and then took a shit on us. So can't tell you how many tours that we poured our entire life savings into fixing a transmission or into, we, we got stranded in New York once. So upstate New York, the the rear axle of our van, which was a conversion van at the time, split in half, just like broke completely. So we were stranded in at a Denny's <laughs> and... All of us are on Craigslist looking for another van to try and buy, and everyone is calling their parents and family members, and there wasn't GoFundMe at the time, so it was just like, call everybody you know to see if they can pitch in fucking like $200 so we can try and get a vehicle to make it back home, and we had posted something on Facebook, and we were like, hey, you know, we're stranded here, upstate New York, we were between Buffalo and Albany, I think, and we posted something just on a whim like hey if there's anybody out here who wants to who can help us out maybe put us up with a place to sleep because we're just like sitting in a denny's right now and we had these two fans reach out that they lived very close by and we could not have been luckier and this is kind of a little bit of a long story but it's a crazy one so they they came with their their uncle i think it was he came and picked up our trailer because we had the we had a six by 12 trailer with us at the time. So came, picked up our trailer with all of our gear, took it back to their house. They put us up for, I want to say almost a week. So it was like probably five or six days. They, they put us up at their house and they drove us around for probably two or three days to different places to try and find a van to be able to make it back home. And in the meantime, they there was a show going on locally. They got us on that show to try and make a little bit of money. So we just played like a random show at like this weird theater. Didn't even really fit the bill at all. But they were just like, hey, maybe you can sell some merch. Like just play a show. Just, you know, you guys have your gear. Just do it. And we ended up... So we we found this van on Craigslist that was in up in the mountains in upstate New York. So we we had, you know, one of these guys drive us up there and this guy, it was on like probably an acre or two of land and this guy had the craziest collection of pretty much everything I've ever seen in my life. So on the property he had two houses. He had like his house where he stayed. Then he had another house full of just antiques. It looked like a a full antique store lined from floor to ceiling with all kinds of crazy shit. He had a he had a garage with two floor model Mustangs that he had bought just that year, just in the garage. And then the ceiling of the garage was lined with comic books. Really? Hanging, hanging from like clothes hangers in plastic, <laughs> like first edition comic wow. books. Wow. He had an entire warehouse of cars stacked on top of each other. So he had like a separate little warehouse of cars stacked on top of each other. He had a World War II like kind of Jeep. And he had a tank on the property, a tank, like not even a
1: fucking joke. Holy shit. What was his address and what was his security system like?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, had a, he had a couple of dogs and he was up in the mountains. Like it, it took us a, quite a while to get through lots of crazy, twisty, turny, tight roads to get up to where he was. And then he had like eight vans, eight, 15 passenger vans for sale. So he actually took our van off of our hands. For probably like five hundred bucks or something, took five hundred dollars off of the price of another van that he had, and we bought that van. On the way back to the the place we were staying, one of the tires fucking no. blow. <laughs> Unbelievable! So, uh, I'm telling you, <laughs> this is just the one tour So, one of so <laughs> the tires blow, so we have to pull in, drop another bunch of money to get another tire, um, and then end up, you know, being able to make it back home, you know, with that van. So we, a crazy experience and, and all those memories are still super vivid for me just because of how crazy that, that turned out. I'd never seen anything like it before, as far as like all the shit that this guy had, but it it was one of those things that, that you, you think back on and, you know, we've got a pretty reliable van now, or, you know, we're, in a position where if we needed to, we could probably rent something or something like that because we we're doing a little bit better. But you know, when, when we were on the, the up it's, it's those struggles and how you, you get through them that really defines you. And, and, and it, it's, it's the make or break for, for a lot of bands really. And a lot of members. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's, I I wouldn't doubt that that's some of the reason why there was some, member changes in the band just financial struggles it's if there's no return for a little while obviously any business you have to you know invest money in it to make money and people can only invest before seeing a return for so long so it's it's understandable to a degree you
1: know Uh, do you remember the name of those two fans jared and travis huge shout out to jared and travis for being out there for their metal bands that they love massive shout out that's really really cool what you guys did and your uncle. Massive shout out. Oh yeah.
0: Love those guys. We still keep in contact with them. They've come out to some shows of ours since and they're they're guest list for life, guys.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Just you should just mail them every release. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's go back to uh, the Big Shred podcast. Yeah. Uh, what what are some of the biggest challenges getting this up off the ground and keeping it rolling?
0: So really we're we're just starting. I'm I'm streaming live with our sixth stream six episode tonight so i've been i kind of just fell into doing it this way where i really enjoy the live streams i enjoy the kind of guess pressure or or just you know being live and, and having that it's almost like being on stage too it's like you get that adrenaline because There's no safety net editing. There's no like changes. There's no, Oh, well, you know, fuck that. We can just cut it out. And so it's, that's also been a challenge though. So keeping things rolling and getting comfortable, getting comfortable with my voice and getting, you know, you know it as well. If you're, we're doing this and I do edit the episodes afterward to put them on the streaming sites and just listening to your own speaking voice gets just strange and tiresome and I, I guess I' start, start used to, to hear it, I'm a singer but that's fair, <laughs> but you start to hear the things you do to fill space and the little nuances that you you sit you know with things that you say so working on those things to me being a guitar player even though i've I've been somewhat i i guess I'll say the face of our band in one way or another so I've done interviews from the other side, so something like this. So I felt like I had a little bit of a leg up starting it because I was like, "Oh, I've I've done this shit a hundred times on the other side, so I can I think I can put together a few questions and not underestimating, it, of course, because it is it, it is a challenge in itself. And aside from that, it's, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been great getting to talk more in depth with people that I've been friends with or been acquainted with. And usually it's, if they're on a tour or if I'm on a tour, it's just like, there's always so much going on so we can talk for like 20 minutes or we're in a venue and it's really loud and we can't really like getting to get into a, a, a good conversation. So I've been able to have an hour plus conversations with, with guys that I've wanted to for a long time with friends that I've wanted to for a long time. And And the goal for it, for sure, that, you know, what what started it was to try and help the friends that I did have in bands and crew members and all that stuff to promote what other alternative streams of revenue and things like that they have going on right now during this whole coronavirus thing with all the tours that have been canceled. And specifically for crew who have just completely lost their jobs, you know, band members for the most part you can give lessons online you're you're still selling merch but all those guys that are integral parts of what we do that are part of the crew they've had their income just completely diminished and and for who knows and how. when
1: they're not on tour with artists they're working at local venues 100% right exactly of the time, like alex 100 of time that happens so uh, shout out to mr kendrick yeah!
0: Shout out to Mr. Because, Kendrick. He's he's the man. Absolutely yes.
1: Uh, who would be a, a milestone guest for you to interview? Who would be a dream guest?
0: Good question. A, a dream guest. Okay. I I would want to interview Michael from Opeth. That would be that would be huge. I I would want to interview. James from Metallica just I'm not even that huge of a Metallica fan anymore but just the stories with with that guy I'm sure would be and and talking with his his battles with addiction and things like that I think would be really eye-opening and yeah my my goal for for a lot of this too among all the other things is to and I'm sure yours to to some extent as well is to give people insight into the mind of of a lot of these guys that seem so much on a pedestal right and and even for guys like us right like somebody like james or somebody like michael or a, a number of the other gigantic bands that were like fuck like i wonder what they're like are they assholes are they not assholes what what are they really like and getting getting those folks especially in metal where it's a little taboo getting those folks vulnerable getting them talking about things that you know they they might not talk about otherwise or if you're doing a regular interview with someone you don't really know at a venue on tour you're just expecting the same 10 questions how's the tour going and how's the new album going are you guys working on any other music and you can kind of just get into a get into a routine of answering these questions and, and it becomes less and less, uh, it has less and less substance, you know?
1: I absolutely agree. I love to get, that's what Vox & Hops was all about, to get behind the persona, to show off to the world the people that I actually know, the characters that I actually know versus the person that's on stage. Right, exactly. There's all these memes of, of uh, the angry vocalist and then the little puppy off stage. <laughs> yeah. so, so that's, yep. that's a hundred percent of the time. And I've interviewed over probably 140, 145 people at this point. And the, and holy they're, shit. They're, everyone has been nice. Everyone has been just straightforward, nice, open and honest, which I, I, there's been rarely a time that a person says, I don't want to answer that question. So, and I strive to not answer those shitty 10 questions. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah that's
0: that's what i've been you know we go back to the podcast and challenges that's also a challenge right it's it's making a an interesting an interesting interview without asking those again shitty questions and also being mindful of questions that folks may not want to be asked there's going to be those questions that it's like i probably shouldn't go that route or how can i approach getting an answer to a question like that without it sounding... Without it sounding that you're asking the same shitty question that they're trying to avoid answering in like all the other interviews. You know?
1: I always like to poke the snake about 20, 20 minutes <laughs> into an interview. I always, I, Most of the time I have a spicy question that I okay. want to ask. So, so I try to ask it in the nicest way and I always offer a way out if they don't want to. But most of the time people embark. It's something about a podcast versus a an interview that people get so comfortable
0: yeah because it's less of a a snippet it's less of a one-liner they can provide context they can give their full side of of a story or of a reasoning behind something
1: and it yeah it's less of a soundbite really and then it's so annoying these written interviews We're in 2020. Uh, We shouldn't have to do written interviews anymore. I think when I release a new record, all I'm going to (laughs) do is I'm going to just record myself answering the questions. I'm going to be like, type it out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One last question. Uh, What is your hangover cure?
0: My hangover cure is... I, I rarely get a hangover, honestly, because I don't drink super hard. But certainly some weed, some weed will will fix me right up. If I'm, if I'm, if I have that hangover at headache, kind of queasy kind of feeling and leftover pizza, if there's some around, it's usually, usually, a uh, or, or just like a real greasy breakfast, like eggs and bacon and, and all that, all that stuff.
1: <laughs> John, thank you so much for sitting down with me, sharing a craft brew. Talking about your life, your music, and craft beer and your podcast. Everyone, check out the, the Big Shred podcast. There are going to be a bunch of new episodes coming out every Wednesday, I want to say.
0: Yeah, we're live streaming Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on my Facebook page, the Abiotic Facebook page, our Twitch, and our YouTube. And then those episodes will get put up on the Spotify's and the Apple Podcasts and all that stuff afterward.
1: Good. I I wish you uh, longevity to the podcast. Uh, Keep it up. Uh, I like what you're doing and I know many other people do as well.
0: Thanks, Matt. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me and for putting all of us in the same room, so to speak, on getting podcasts going and having these conversations. And it, it, it means a lot. Thank you so much. Awesome.
1: Cheers, brother. Cheers, man. Hey! Thank you all so so much for listening right to the end. That I love and appreciate that. John, such a cool cool dude. I love it. I love it. I love his podcast. You guys should absolutely go check that out. Like, subscribe, all of those following things. The Big Shred Podcast. It is amazing. You should be there. You should be a part of it. He does it live. It is it is wild. I love it. I I was a part of it. I have been on it. It is amazing, and I'm stoked about that. Huge cheers to John. Keep it going. I love it. And cheers to Abiotic. I'm a fan. I can't wait to hear more. I hope that you guys have a great weekend. I'm stoked to relax. It has been an intense week being back at work after 11 weeks. I'm recuperating. I'm ready for next week. But until then, I'll be back at you with two episodes next week as I spoke about in the intro, one on Tuesday and one on Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life metal and craft beer cheers vox and hopsets one hit thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know each week we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget and we decide if they brought the one hit thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week, so pass the Dutchie, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.